As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we're live, but we do have to let the stream breathe. Just for a few seconds, got to bring on all five of our great listening communities here. And we're good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. And with me, as always, my partner in crime, you know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, there was a really interesting statistic that uh, our former employer, CBS Sports, dug up on one Philip Lindsay. And you know what? Real quick, I'm just going to go ahead and show this because everyone should see it. Just to, It, it kind of helps bring home, I think, the uh, how rad this is. Philip Lindsay, Zach, for those of you who missed this today, Philip Lindsay is the first player since the NFL merger to have 450-plus carries and zero fumbles in his career. Your thoughts? That's Philip Lindsay for you, and that's exactly why he's the RB1. And you know what? It's hashtag feed Phil, then hashtag pay Phil. I don't know what more he has to do, but I'm so glad he's finally getting some national attention and some national shine for all he accomplishes. That is a trait of a workhorse running back one in the NFL. He's sure-handed. He can catch. He can catch. He can run. He can block. He can really do it all. And I think he deserves way more, Chad, than the $750,000 he's making this season. It's a disgrace. So uh, there needs to be more like this, more national accounts, more national exposure, and hopefully it kind of nudges the Broncos' arm and nudges their elbow to sign and open those purse strings and pay Philip Lindsay what he deserves to be paid. Amen. And by the way, guys, I hope you are following Mile High Huddle on Instagram for uh, memes and pics and superstar shout-outs and all that stuff. Yeah, Philip Lindsay, I mean, just so far this season – it's been remarkable despite the injuries because, of course, he opened up the season in week one uh, with the with the turf toe injury, didn't return after halftime, misses week two, misses week three, misses week four, comes back in week six as Melvin Gordon, of course, gets strep throat, which comes, you know, the same week that he gets uh, the DUI. Phillip only comes back from basically a month of languishing on the sideline to bust off 100 yards on the road at Gillette Stadium. Then week seven, he gets the concussion, but he still pops off what was it, 80-something yards rushing and six or seven, eight carries, I think, against the Chiefs. Gets the concussion, battles through it, gets out of concussion protocol in time for week eight against the Chargers. Comes in, he only gets six touches, Zach, but in those six touches, you know, he gets uh, 70-some-odd yards, including a 55-yard touchdown. This cat is 
averaging almost six and a half yards per clip in 2020, Zach, the hashtag feed fill, the hashtag pay fill have never been more appropriate than they are right now. And it's not just uh, my perceived bias as a Philip Lindsay fan saying that either. When you look at the stats and look at the facts, one of Philip Lindsay's runs against the Chargers was more for more yardage than all of Melvin Gordon's yards combined. He can just bring a different element to the offense. And it's okay if you don't want to acknowledge him as a true running back one, but what it is an arguable to me and undebatable is that he deserves to be paid. He deserves to have a long-term contract. He's a double-thousand-yard rusher, a former pro bowler. He Look what he did after concussion protocol one day after clearing it. He's always suiting up for the team. He's the, the mouthpiece of the offense, the spark plug. I just don't think there's nothing more he has to do. He has to prove on the field or off the field in the locker room to get that contract extension. I'm not saying break the bank. I'm not saying Ezekiel Elliott money, but just something to reward what he's done for the organization the last three years. This is the Mile High Mailbag. This is Thursday. We are your football priest. Each and every week, we're here to offer you the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions. And, John, I don't know if you have that question from Jerry. Let's answer that real quick, and then we'll get to matters of business and dive into the stream, into the mailbag. Jerry, of course, one of our great Facebook supporters. Much love to you, my friend. We appreciate you. He says, Zach, you sound passionate about the Lindsay payday. Are you actually concerned he won't get paid? Yes, I am. I mean, when you look at the way John Elway does business, especially with his own players, I mean, he wouldn't pay Justin Simmons. Okay, that looks like a smart move. He wouldn't pay Garrett Bowles, and it's going to end up costing him money. He wouldn't pay Shelby Harris. It might end up costing him money. It's not just paying the guy for what he's done. We always talk about, Chad, sending the right message in the locker room. Every other team, look what the Chiefs did. They had no money. They couldn't even buy a PS5. They locked down Patrick Mahomes, Chris Jones. They made moves because you make it happen when you have the intention. When you want something bad enough, you find a way to make it happen. So I'm worried with Elway's way of doing business, he, he's an RFA next year. They can apply the tag on him, and they have him under contract for peanuts. So technically, you wouldn't have to pay him. That's what scares me. John Elway, they're saying, okay, we're paying. We're devoting $8 million to Melvin Gordon. We can have Philip Lindsay for a fourth of that. Why should we pay any more? So technically, they don't have to, and that's what scares me. If he was an unrestricted free agent, I think it would force the Broncos to pay. He deserves it, but will he get it? That's what scares me. The big difference here, and I think that should give fans at least a little optimism that Elway might break his old, you know, his his traditional penchant for being reluctant to extend the very players that his team develops, drafts and develops. In Lindsey's case, of course, he wasn't drafted, but he has been developed by this team. I think if there's anything to encourage fans that this might be different is the fact that Lindsay's something special. He's not Matt Paradis. As much as I love Matt Paradis, and I'm not saying Matt Paradis wasn't a special player because he was very good center in his own right, but Philip Lindsay is not only a superstar caliber guy in the NFL, he is a literal folk hero in the hearts and minds of Broncos country. It would be akin, Zach, to not paying Von Miller. It would be akin to not paying, you know, pick your favorite Broncos quarterback, Peyton Manning, whatever. It would be akin to that in terms of the blowback in the you know arena, the court of public opinion. So that alone, I think, might help sway things a little bit. But up to this point, you know, fans, ourselves included, as far as those of us in media, you know, we're skeptical when it comes to these things just because, I mean, you can list on one hand. John Elway's been in the Broncos front office for a decade. You can list on one hand, Zach, the number of draft picks, that have received a second contract during the John Elway era, it's alarming. 
It is, and it sends the wrong message even to outside free agents. Like, okay, we're going to come here, we're going to bust our butts, and what's going to happen? You're going to ship us off, we're not going to get paid. It's it just, you have to take care of your guys who help you get to where you are. And although the Broncos aren't a competitive team right now, Philip Lindsay is the only thing, and you always mention 2018. You take away Lindsay from the 2018 offense, it's painful to watch. Oh, yeah. And when yeah. he's out of the game, it's still painful to watch. He just brings a different element to the table. Uh, again, I'm not saying Zeke money. You don't pay a running back Zeke money in this day and age. That's why Melvin Gordon was overpaid. But just something like I akin it to last year, Chad. How many Broncos fans, me excluded, you excluded for the most part, were wanting Chris Harris Jr. to get a long-term extension? He was an in-house guy. He was a... Uh, a guy they brought up, he was an unheralded guy. No one knew about him, and he had success with the Broncos. Everyone advocated for him to get paid. Why isn't the same thing happening for Philip Lindsay? Again, not a market-resetting contract, but like Chris Harris Jr. got, here's a little, here's $3 million bucks. Here's a little incentive. Here's a little bonus. Here's a little thank you for what you've done and hopefully what you can do going forward. Why they refuse that while paying Melvin Gordon at the same time, it baffles me. Indeed, and we're not done discussing this topic. There's still a lot to get to, including what's on your mind. Get your questions in, get your topics. Part of our job as your football priest is we're here as well to help you exercise the demons. So whatever's eating at you, whatever's on your mind, get it in the stream. We'll tackle that here very, very shortly. And then, of course, there's a few things that Pat Shermer had to say today, a few transactions the Broncos made uh, in terms of roster moves, and then something, uh, one or two things Drew Locke said that I want to get Zach's take on. We'll discuss that all here in just a second. But first, gang, we got to handle a few matters of business. Tonight's live stream podcast is brought to you by sportsbetting.com. Right now in the state of Colorado, sports betting is legal. Gambling is legal. Sportsbetting.com is the no-brainer for every sports fan. And here's why. You get sharp odds and low juice, hassle-free bonuses that you can roll over after one time, and you get 24-7 live customer support. And it's always a real human and it's always a person in the United States. But the kicker is this, and, and again, this is where you really got to pay close attention because this goes above and beyond anything I've seen in the online sports gambling world uh, to date. Sportsbetting.com right now, you can get a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to five, excuse me, they change it up to a thousand bucks. A 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to a thousand bucks. And it's not just one bet, gang, it's all of your bets. And the way it works is you play for a week, if your losses exceed your winnings at the end of the week, sportsbetting.com will cover 100% of that difference up to 1000 bucks, and you can roll it over one time. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. That's sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle so they know that we sent you and capitalize on this risk-free week of sports betting up to 1000 bucks. And then I'll, I'll make this uh, matters of business exceedingly brief, gang. Follow the pod on Twitter at huddleuppod. The main account on Twitter, at Mile High Huddle. Zach Kelberman, my partner on Twitter, at Kelberman NFL. Myself, at Chad N. Jensen on Twitter. And then our producer, of course, John Cronenberg, at John K. MHH. And then also a gentle reminder to head on over to the merch store and get your swag on. Get yourself a, a hat, a football priest hat, a football priest t-shirt, Mile High Huddle hoodie. There's mugs. There's face masks. little something for everybody. It's another way that you can support what we're doing here at MHH. Also, a quick shout out to our Facebook community, which just continues to grow exponentially. We appreciate each and every one of you. If you would like to become an official supporter on Facebook, it's like becoming a superstar, but on Facebook, just go to the, our, our page, facebook.com slash milehighhuddle, and you'll see the big blue button, become a supporter. You click that, you are in like Flynn, 
And gang, if you are not in a position to do those things, it's all good. We are grateful, Zach and I, to have you in the stream here with us, or if you're listening after the fact, as an on-demand podcast. What we ask, though, is these three things. Each and every one of you listening right now can do these three things. Subscribe, first and foremost. Second is like this video or like this podcast. And then the third thing, and this is crucial, share it out there on your social media. If you think we're doing a good job, the best litmus test for us to, to know that is to see you out there sharing it or you know, if we tweet a link to the podcast, you retweet it, things like that. That helps us continue to grow organically and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500, or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at woodhousebuickgmc.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today, it's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. Broncos country, listen up. Coors Hard Seltzer, it's not your average seltzer because rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability is a brand inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world with a mission to restore America's rivers. It used to be if you wanted to make an impact, you wanted to make a difference in the world, you'd have to get off your butt, you'd have to go out there and do something. With Coors Hard Seltzer, they're making it all the easier to make that impact. And the way they're doing it is by launching the world's easiest volunteer program, whatever you're doing. By simply cracking open a can of Coors Hard Seltzer, you're volunteering because our waterways are at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up. But through a partnership with Change the Course, Coors Hard Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. Each 12-pack of Coors Hard Seltzer, this is how it works, restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and the communities that depend on them. And the way it shakes out is 1 billion gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., including the Colorado River. And that's just year one. Plus, with Coors Hard Seltzer, you get four refreshing flavors, one cool cause. Enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon lime, and grapefruit. And the specs are in, gang. Coors Hard Seltzer is 4.5% ABV and only 90 calories. Chad, I know for a fact, watching that Broncos-Chargers game in the first half, I needed a few Coors Hard Seltzers to get me by. But after that wild comeback victory, I'm celebrating with my Coors Hard Seltzer in the best possible occasion. So gang, join the world's easiest volunteer program. By simply drinking Coors Hard Seltzer, you can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Hard Seltzer, you help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. It is that simple. So visit Coors Seltzer. Dot com to find a Coors Hard Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 831-2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. All right, Zach, one last thing I want to touch on on the Philip Lindsay 
uh, topic, and then we'll we'll jump right back into the stream and see what's what's uh, cooking on everybody's mind here. You you know, 2018. I bring it up a lot, and you you referenced it. That can you imagine just how bad, how dark things could have gotten in the the final year of the Vance Joseph era if Philip Lindsay doesn't pop. And then one other thing about that is if you guys can remember back to 2018. Denver went into the bye, and it was ugly, man. They were a few games below 500. They weren't even close to being in the playoff conversation. They came out of that, and thanks to the inspired running of this no-name undrafted rookie who had by this point completely leapfrogged Royce Freeman, who was tapped to be the heir apparent, tapped to be the, the future franchise runner, Zach. Three games in a row, he goes off, does Philip Lindsay, and puts the Broncos almost single-handedly. I don't want to give him too much credit, but – offensively, single-handedly nearly, puts the Broncos back in the playoff hunt, and then inexplicably they end up crumbling down the stretch, and the rest is history. Vance Joseph is dispatched. Uh, Vic Fangio is hired, and and here we are. But, Zach, this kid is just so meaningful. And as I was writing about this today, this this record, the fact that he is the only running back in the history of the NFL to have at least 450 carries and never having fumbled, as I'm writing about this, I'm just thinking – and the takeaway here for the Denver Broncos, aside from the pay fill stuff and all that, is you need to, as, a, as an offense, if you're Pat Shermer, we'll get into this more here in tonight's podcast, but you have got to feature him more in this offense. Why, how, how, in what world does this offensive coaching staff, Zach, think that you, you can get by and not maximize the potential of your unit by giving Philip Lindsay six carries in a game? It's the same Pat Shermer, and I hate to harp on coaching, 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 but he said in his press conference today, which you might touch on this one remark, you know, about going no temp, no huddle and up-tempo with Drew Locke. He was like, you know, maybe should, we should do it. Maybe we should, you know, it's something to consider. It's a good thing. It, these are common sense football fundamental 101 concepts. And to get your most explosive player involved and to keep the ball in his hands until proven otherwise is basic. It's common sense. Getting the ball to K.J. Hamler or Jerry Judy in the middle of the field as opposed to on the sideline or something low percentage, using play action, you rolling lockout, playing to his strength. These are all common sense. So we can only hope that it's still early enough in the season. The Broncos have some sort of momentum right now. They can build on that in Atlanta. We can only hope that what we saw last week against the Chargers in the second half was not the outlier. We can only hope that's the trend going forward. It's a two, it's a tale of two different teams, Chad. It really is. It's ugly, and it, it was pretty in the second half. We can only hope that pretty just keeps extending forward. You know, on one hand, I can understand it. It's kind of the plight of an offensive coordinator that has just a smorgasbord of offensive weapons. I mean, the Broncos do, even without Cortland Sutton. They have offensive weapons just coming out their ears, basically. I understand how it's not easy, especially when you don't have a proven veteran quarterback distributing the ball you know, you got a quarterback that's still going through his own learning curve. I understand how it might not be easy to distribute um, targets in the passing game, but Zach, it should not be that hard to figure out how to get your running back carries. Let's grab this super chat from Steven Baumgartner, one of our superstars. Appreciate you, Steve, and uh, appreciate you reaching out to us on your uh, on Twitter, on DM, and letting us know what's going on in your life. And we're with you, my dog. I don't want to betray anything that you uh, haven't already talked about publicly, but we're with you, my friend. That's all I'm going to say. And he says, hey, guys. I'm excited for the game on Sunday. How many touchdowns and passing yards do you think Drew will have on Sunday? Interesting question, Zach. Why don't you start out on this one? It's funny, Stephen. I actually tweeted about this not too long ago. I look at this game very comparable to the uh, Texans game last year where it's a very soft defensive opponent, kind of a lowlier team. You're in a 
controlled environment. Everything kind of works in your favor. The Atlanta Falcons pass defense ranks 31st in the NFL, averaging over 311 yards yielded per game through the air. That is exploitable even for this Broncos offense without Cortland Sutton, even with a young Drew Locke going through the process of being a young signal caller in the NFL. So I think this is a game like what Drew Locke had last year. I think it was 309 and three touchdowns. I can see the same thing happening this Sunday. Not only do I hope for that, I'm actually expecting that. I think this is the game where he kind of busts out and he carries over that fourth quarter into an entire 60-minute game. So I think 300 yards, three touchdowns for Drew Locke this Sunday. I'll hedge just a little bit, although the spirit of what Zach says, I agree with. I do think you're going to see Drew and this offense build on what they accomplished in the fourth quarter last week. But I'll hedge just a little bit, Stephen, to answer your question. And I'll say somewhere around 250 yards, I'll say two touchdowns and one pick. But it's going to be really fun to see how it shakes out because, as Zach said, defensively, this is a really juicy matchup. It's a smash spot. I mean, they they yield yards. They yield air yards. This is a soft defense. They're kind of – they're okay against the run, but they're exploitable everywhere else. So if – you know, they have Tim Patrick. He's practicing on a limited basis two days in a row now, Chad. He comes back to that when you have K.J. Hamler catching the game-winning touchdown, when you have Albert O scoring, you have Noah Fant getting healthier now, you have Jerry Judy kind of warming up with uh, Locke and their chemistry getting going. You add all this together, combine with Lindsey, who, who will play in this game, combine with Melvin Gordon, there is no reason why they can't put yards and points on the board this Sunday. Shout out to Stu Meat here, jumping in with another super sticker. Really appreciate Thank the you. support, my friend. And he says, what's up, Broncos country? It's really good to see you, my friend. And like I said, the support does mean a lot to us. Trust me on that. It all adds up. It all goes a long way. So we do appreciate your support. On the point, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> frog in my throat. John, have a few supers queued up and ready to go and questions that you see, but there's one quick point. I want to dive deeper on something Zach brought up with regard to Pat Shermer. The idea that, you know, he, t- he, he, was, he was asked today about tempo. You know, hey, look, we saw Drew Locke do a better job in, in uh, the fourth quarter of not only moving the ball, but reading the field, going through his progressions. And the Broncos obviously reaped the rewards, picked up some big yardage. Is increasing tempo earlier in the game, is that something that could help Locke? Here's what he said to, to specifically quote Shermer, quote, Well, that's a common narrative. We have plays that we use strategically where we have no huddle plays or fast from the huddle plays. And there are times where if you're stalled out a little bit, maybe that's a way to kind of jumpstart things. But we were stressed for time and points, and that's sort of why we had to do it, and it works. I think that's normally where a lot of people go into situations like that when you know you got to score or you get some scoring drives late in the game. Why don't you do it earlier? It's a good question. There's probably times when it would make sense, but there's also other times where you got to just do things better early in the game to not be put in that situation. Close quote. So Zach, on one hand, I see this as a little bit of coach speak in terms of not wanting to tip his cap to the opponent and say, yeah, we're going to run tempo on the Atlanta Falcons as soon as we hit the field. But on the other, I think it's still, you know, based on what we've heard and seen from Pat Shermer up to this point, it's also pretty evident that, he's kind of slow to adjust in terms of recognizing yes. what's really working for his for his unit. Yeah, it's very much coach speak, but it's like, come on, man. I mean, did you watch any film of Drew Locke last year? Did you watch any film of Locke at Missouri? This is a guy who builds off tempo. He builds off momentum. He's a field general, a gunslinger. It's a type of game that he plays. 
Again, Pat Shermer, he's not Case Keenum. He is a lot more, more so, don't hold me to this literally, guys, like Kyler Murray. And when you allow him to play that way, like you saw in the second half last week, good things happen. So I know he's not wanting to tip his cap and tell Atlanta what's going to happen, but Atlanta's coaches get paid too. They know this offense flows through the running game first and foremost, and then Locke, when he does pass a lot of shotgun, uh, three wide receiver sets, two tight end sets, they know the tendencies from Drew Locke. So you're not hiding them. You're just doing him a disservice by toying with the idea and not really committing to it. I agree with you. We saw with Noah Fant, Chad, he went away from him completely in an entire second half of the season opener in a winnable game. And then what did he do in the weeks that follow? He force-fed Fant and the tight end to the point of it was overcompensating. So it takes him a while to adjust. He's a, I don't know what you call him in this weird season. I, I wouldn't say a slow adapter, but he needs to recognize Locke has a certain game, and the Broncos offense thrives on that game. And under no circumstance should they change that. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Charlie Beagle brings up a point here. I Obviously, very tongue-in-cheek. He says, the Broncos are on the verge of greatness, or at least 500, the doorstep of mediocrity. And while, Zach, far be it from us to celebrate the fact that a win in Week 9 gets the Broncos to 500, again, you're literally mediocre if you're at 500, at the same time, Charlie, and anyone that's kind of thinking that way, consider this, okay? The fact that the Denver Broncos went through an epidemic of injuries unprecedented in team history, all right, this year, even 2013, which was bad with injuries, I think this year eclipses that <clears throat> easily, all right? <clears throat> Excuse me. The fact that they overcame that, uh, well, first of all, 
you get out to 0 and 3 as a result of the injuries because it's not just the Von Miller, it's, uh, the Cortland Suttons, the Drell Casey's, the AJ Bouye's early. You lose your starting quarterback in week two. And at that point, you had already lost out on 14, 1500 reps in OTAs in the preseason with your new offensive coordinator and your second year quarterback and really your first time starting quarterback. Then you have to go to Jeff Driscoll. Doesn't work. Then you got to go to uh, Brett Rippon and you have a little success. You get your first win on the board. The Broncos guys don't look now, but they have won three of their last four games. And of course, it's been very uneven the way they've gone about doing it. But the results on the board speak for themselves. And so the fact that Zach at the midway point after starting 0-3, this team literally has the chance to be 500 in week eight with yeah. what remains in a season, literally half of your season remaining, half your schedule. I think that's a modest achievement. Now, it's not something you celebrate in terms of, you know, writing home, uh, all that stuff, but recognize what this team has accomplished in the face of some serious adversity, some bad juju, some terrible injuries. It's, it's actually kind of remarkable. It is, and you're not going to raise any banners for being 500 at the midway point, but look at a team like the Patriots. Look at a team like the 49ers. They were hit hard as well. Look at a team like the Cowboys. Trust me on this, guys. They are in a much worse position and situation than the Broncos are. The Broncos have a lot of fight in them, and then also you consider, Chad, the injuries on offense. You have a different right tackle coming, and you have injuries to Glasgow. You have injuries. You know, Riser was banged up not playing well. Then you have Melvin Gordon getting hurt. You have Philip Lindsay getting hurt. It's been an upheaval. It's been chaotic, and yet despite that, the Broncos Broncos could be four and four, and they're only two games out of the wild card. Not saying it's going to happen, but there's a lot more momentum and a lot more hope now than there was three weeks ago. So I think it's some sort of an accomplishment that needs to be at least commended or acknowledged. Yeah, that's it. Just to recognize it, just acknowledge it. The Broncos have a great opportunity to build on this momentum and create more momentum. And that was something that both Pat Shermer and Andrew Locke talked about today. We'll get to more of that here in a few minutes. we got to tip our cap to Zeus McPeak jumping in on Super Chat. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. Love you. Talk about a superstar. Uh, arguably the guy that got it all started, and we just appreciate you so much. He says, hey, what's up? Hi, all, is what he says. Yes. Stu. Stu is the founding father of the podcast, Chad. Indeed. Indeed he is, uh, <laughs> at least as it relates to the live stream. You know, Zach and right. I – We've been we were doing the Huddle Up podcast as a pre-recorded podcast that we would do. It started out we would go twice a week, and then we ended up going daily for about eight months. And we did that together anyway, podcasting for about Zach. I want to say it was like eighteen months, and then we started. You know, we decided, hey, let's start doing the live stream once a week. We'll take our mailbag as a live stream, and then we're like, wow, that was so much fun. Let's do every single podcast that way, and the rest is history. And, And Stu had a lot to do with us recognizing. Uh, how fun and how yes. unique it is to be able to engage with our audience in real time. Liam jumping in on YouTube to ask, who do you guys think will be better once Von Miller comes back fully healthy, Vaughn or Bradley Chubb? You know, I'm going to say this, and it's going to seem taboo, but in 2018, maybe you noticed this as well, Chad, I, I saw the torch kind of getting passed. With just the way Chubb was playing, I know Von Miller was playing decently in that season as well, but he can just do things being a younger player at at this stage of their respective careers with more upside in the NFL. I think when, when Von Miller comes back next year, they're not trading him, they're not cutting him, when he comes back, I still think Chubb will be the more explosive player, if only because of their age difference, and then Chubb will have an entire season where he shook the rust off, whereas Von Miller is coming back with rust next season. They're both outstanding pass rushers. Von Miller is a first ballot future Hall of Famer, taking nothing away from him. But I just think that's the transition's already in progress. And I think Bradley Chubb, for his own part, 
is also a very talented pass rusher that for right now has a bigger arc with the Broncos organization. Yeah, in terms of you know what the next ten years could hold, undoubtedly the the upside potential, you know, tends to obviously favor the younger guy, and in this case, that's Bradley Chubb. But you know, right now, if you if you look here, who leads the Broncos in sacks? Bradley Chubb, five and a half, and Malik Reed is right behind him with five, and then of course Shelby Harris with two and a half. But yeah, you gotta. I, I'll be honest with you, Zach. I started having some real um, misgivings about Chubb. Like, is this, was that knee injury gonna, was he gonna be able to really bounce back from that? Because even though sports medicine, modern sports medicine has, has advanced at such a rapid rate that, you know, the same torn ACL that would have cost a, a player his career in the 90s, or, you know, yeah, the 90s, I'll say, you know, they come, they, players come back with that oh, almost, you know, I would say it's a 90% bounce back rate, but there's that one or two guys every once in a while where they get the ACL. And they're never quite the same guy. And there was a time I was worried about that, Zach, with Bradley Chubb. But, you know, he had a couple of two, three slow start, th- two games this year, three games yeah. that are kind of slow going. But he obviously found his groove in week four against the Jets. And it has been all downhill from there in a good and, way. And he didn't have the luxury, though, of a, of a normal offseason where he could rehab in the facility. So he was doing a lot of it on his own. So he was shaking the rust off, not just from, from game inactivity, but just – days and days and weeks and weeks and not training like he should have this offseason. That's why he started slow. But the last two, three weeks, it's looking like 2018 Bradley Chubb. And I'm right there with you. It's so encouraging that not only is he bouncing back, he looks like he never missed a beat from that season. All right, let's see here. Um, there's a few things that Pat Shermer got to that I, I, I do want to get your thoughts on. In fact, let me see here real quick. John's trying to communicate. Yeah, throw a uh, – I don't have it quite yet, John, if you have Jason or J-Lo. There he is. J-Lo Wright jumping in. J-Lo, good to see you. Not a name that we recognize, so welcome and thank you, my friend. And he says here, new listener, I found my people. Love the show. Thanks for making a space for Broncos fans. And welcome, J-Lo. We appreciate you, my friend. We're here just for what it's worth. For those of you who are new to Mile High Huddle and what we do here at the Huddle Up podcast, Mile High Huddle, we go live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch seven days a week and it's you can set your watch to it it's not trying to guess when we go live each day it's from 6 p.m mountain 8 p.m eastern to 7 uh, mountain 9 eastern the only exception to that is on game days where zach and i go live immediately following the game with the gut reaction and zach that sometimes that might be a sunday it might be a monday it might be a thursday but you guys can plan on that you can set your watch to it so keep that in mind this is the overtime podcast network Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. 
paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Jason Christopher jumping in another name new to us on Super yes. Chat. Welcome, Jason. Welcome. Thank you. He says, when it's all said, uh, said and done, how will you reflect on Von Miller's career as a Denver Bronco and how will his legacy fare among all the all-time greats? Interesting question. You know, I think it's a little premature in terms of, you know, it's not time to turn the page on Vaughn as a Bronco yet. But just to answer your question, Vaughn Miller, you know, he's right up there. I think there's an argument that can be made for the greatest defensive player in team history. You got Vaughn, you got Champ Bailey, and then you could throw in Steve Atwater, who's in the Hall of Fame. There's a few others that you could make an argument for. But really, I think if you boil it down, Zach, it comes down to Vaughn, Steve, and Champ. And I think Vaughn has an argument for being at the top of that, even though Steve Atwater brought home two rings and he's also in the hall. You know, Vaughn has just been basically the best player at his position, Zach, for a decade. And so that legacy and and just how dominant he was in Super Bowl 50, it's not like in Steve's case, you know, Atwater's case, he's one of my favorite players of all time. I love Steve Atwater, huge fan of Steve Atwater. And he's as much as I'm a fan of him as a player, I'm an even bigger fan of him as a human being. He's just such a, a nice guy, a neat guy. But he wasn't like the tip of the spear in terms of the Broncos bringing home the bacon in Super Bowl 32 and Super Bowl 33, whereas Zach Von Miller was that tip of the spear. And while I wouldn't go so far as to say that he single-handedly brought home the third Lombardi, you know, it, it, it's it's not too far in terms of strain into hyperbole to to hint that, you know. Yeah, very well said. I'm going to throw in Simon Fletcher as well. That's a franchise legend, arguably the best pass rusher in Broncos history. I think Vaughn exceeds that, and I think he will go down if he never plays one more snap for Denver. Of course, as a first ballot Hall of Famer, a ring of famer, um, I, he's, his legend is intact. And you know what? He did. I think, my, in my opinion, I know a lot of defenders in that game, SB50, had their role to play, but Vaughn got to Cam Newton. Vaughn changed the arc of Cam Newton's career in that single game. I think he did single-handedly win the Broncos a championship. So he's a legend, future Hall of Famer, future first everything, Chad. He's just, he's Vaughn Miller. And he's already cemented that no matter what he does in the future. I know there are people listening live and after the fact who are probably screaming at their phones right now, Randy Gratishar, Randy Gratishar. Randy Gratishar is up there as well, obviously, is one of the greatest defensive players in, in team history. And he belongs in the Hall, and we, we remain hopeful that one day he'll get in the Hall. But, yeah, Vaughn's legacy is, is going to be one that is deep and lasting, which is why you're going to see the Broncos really do what they can over time to uh, you know, make sure that however his career ends as a Bronco, that it ends the right way. It's not going to be right. – I, I think they'll really try to avoid it being ugly. Uh, Sean Davis jumping in with the Super Chat. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, been watching you guys since 2018. 
showing some love. Well, thank you, Sean. I really appreciate your longtime support and uh, listenership, my dog. And the, the support on Super Chat means a lot to us. And if you have a question, Sean, feel free to uh, drop it in tonight, being the Mile High Mailbag. Thank you for your support. All right, let's uh, let's grab this Red John Super real quick as well. And let me get off the share screen so we're not blocking out the co-host. Um, appreciate the Super Chat, Red John. Good to see you, my friend. Thank you. He says, hi, guys. Back from the shadows. Good to have you. Please help me understand. 2020 was a crapshoot year from the start. Some argue shouldn't have happened. How uh, how how much to blame Locke Shermer in their first season with no number one wide receiver or offseason? So in other words, I guess that <clears throat> with how uneven things have been up to this point, how much of that do you blame for, you know, on Locke and, and Shermer in their first season? I, in terms of the off season, I don't put much stock in that because the Broncos, like every other team, went through the same process. It was it was no competitive advantage or disadvantage for Denver, so I'm throwing that away. When you transition from any coordinator and any year, it's always a learning curve. So it, it was going to be a process, and that's why while Chad and I thought it was going to be a big year for Locke and the big year for the Broncos, we also cautioned that in the first five weeks or so, it might be up and down. It might be a roller coaster, and we saw that. Even with these injuries, even with the pandemic, even with everything going on, it was it contributed to it, the newness, the the familiarity, the comfort uh, level. But that's how you build up to that. And that's why we also said after the Chiefs game, give it time. Be patient. Give him one more game to prove himself. And it was ugly for three quarters, but he proved himself in that fourth quarter. And what we hope is that they can extend that going forward. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, here's the thing, guys. And you've heard me already mention it once tonight. I've mentioned it a few times just in the last week, even with the Broncos ending week eight on a good note, they lost out on 1400 some odd reps. All right. By, by not having on field OTAs and no preseason. And if you were fooling yourself into thinking that that wasn't going to come out in the wash in some way, shape or form, you were, you were deluding yourself. And then adding to that, whatever modest momentum, all right, that drew Locke and Pat Shermer were able to build up together through training camp. All right. That got just, tossed out the window when Locke injured his shoulder in week two, and they had to figure out how to reestablish it and relearn each other all over again, starting in week six when Locke returned. What should really encourage everybody is that they're still bringing home results despite the inconsistencies. And yes, a lot of that, Zach, you know, you, you credit the defense, right? The defense has played at a top 10 level, especially of late from week four on, they've been a top 10 defense, but to see the offense, find ways to win, win ugly, even when it's been imperfect, it's including the, the Patriots game, you know, six scoring drives, all of them field goals, multiple receivers dropping dimes in the end zone, four end zone drop passes that would have been 28 points on the board for the Denver Broncos. I mean, we could have been talking about a veritable blowout at Gillette right. Stadium. And again, the takeaway for fans, I think, Zach, is despite the imperfections here, what should really encourage everybody is the fact that the results are still coming. Like they're still figuring out how to win, even without firing on all cylinders. So what that means is now to try and picture what it might look like when they do finally start firing on all cylinders. Right. And that's what the fourth quarter of week eight really, you know, that's that's the vision. That's what could, that's what dreams may come, right? When these two finally figure things out. 
And despite everything else, despite all these factors and circumstances, the Broncos are developing young talent. Chad, KJ Hammer, Jerry Judy, Albert O, Noah Finn, uh, you know, Tim Patrick, Dejon Hamilton to an extent. So there's also a lot of good that comes in these bad games. There's a lot of good that comes from a loss. And that's why we also said after the Kansas City game, this is what makes Locke a better quarterback. He will be better because he went through something like this. And the same could be said for Pat Shermer as well. I was very critical of him the entire season and up until the fourth quarter last week. He did well in that quarter. And if they can apply that to the rest of the season, they will have an imposing offense relative to what we've seen, though, the last five years. Tom El Greco jumping in with the Super, one of our bona fide superstars up there north of the 49th parallel. Appreciate you, Tom. He says it looks like Drew threw out Shermer's playbook in the fourth quarter, guys. Um I don't know, it might look that way, but those calls were being made by Pat Shermer. The big difference, okay, was the tempo, Drew Locke trusting his protection, and what that meant, the way that came out is you saw him setting his feet, driving into his throws, so all of a sudden he's driving the ball downfield with accuracy, making plays, and then his guys around him stepped up. No one fell short of the mark when the chips were down in the fourth quarter. Everyone rose to the challenge. And so, you know, it's, I think Pat Shermer, and I understand because, you know, we've said some negative things about Pat tonight in terms of just being honest with you in terms of our own frustrations with the inconsistency of the product on the field this year. But Pat Shermer deserves as much credit for calling those plays and calling that, that fourth quarter as the players for executing. All right. Cause they, it was a good final kind of Hail Mary game plan in the fourth quarter to try and overcome a 21-point lead, which almost never happens. You guys got to keep in mind, the Denver Broncos have existed for over 50 years. That was only the fifth time in team history that it had overcome a 21-point deficit to win. Yeah, and it's it's very encouraging that what the Broncos can do, despite all the – like we said, all the injuries and, and everything going on, I, what I think what Pat Shermer did, though, in that fourth quarter, he threw away his own playbook check. He really cut it down to maybe a page of plays. Okay, this is what Drew likes to run. This is what he feels comfortable with. You saw it in the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes went up to Eric Bieniemy and said, can we run this play? Quarterbacks like feeling comfortable in the moment, especially in crunch time. So when you allow Locke to just play the game he loves and allow him to be loose out there, roll him out, get the middle of the field involved, good things will happen. Uh, it was an entire organizational collective failure in the first half. And I have to be fair and apply it to the fourth quarter. Pat Shermer did and does deserve credit for that. Now, we only hope, again, we can see more of that consistently for the rest of the year. Liam, Jay, I got to just tell you real quick, my friend, <clears throat> when you spam the chat, um, it, you're going to end up in timeout. And we love you. We want you here. We want you participating in the conversation. But don't spam the chat, Doc. We got to put you in timeout, okay? Uh, whatever you have to say Keep it within the scope of what either we're saying or people are responding to you in the chat. All right. Otherwise, you come off as spam and we got to 86 you. We don't want to do that. All right. NH5 jumping in with the super chat. Much love to you, my friend. Really appreciate how uh, you've come on strong the last little bit. So appreciate yeah. you. He says, How's it going, fellas? Thank you, Daylight Savings. I can now occasionally catch you guys live during the week. Thanks for the content. I always look forward to the pod live or not. Really appreciate that, man. Yeah, and again, drop us a question if you uh, if you have it. It's one of honestly, it's a small thing, but you know, it's one of the spices of life, I guess you can say. I love daylight savings in terms of the fallback. Right, it's spring forward. You lose an hour in terms of your your uh, circadian rhythm, your internal clock. You fall back, 
and you gain that extra hour. So you wake up at, at eight in the morning and your alarm's going off or seven or whatever time you wake up. And it feels like for to your body that you slept an hour late. So that's what I love that. Uh, Sean jumping in. Thanks, buddy. He says, what's up? I'm HH fam. Still hopeful that we make the playoffs. Zach, you know, sportsbetting.com gives the Denver Broncos a less than 10% chance. It's just under 10% chance of making the playoffs this year, but it's the NFL. And, you know, look, the final eight games. Well, no, I'll include the Falcons. The final nine games. You got the Falcons. That's a that's a game the Broncos can and should win, even though they are underdogs on the road. But if you can figure out how to split with the Raiders, which you've done as a team in each season dating back to uh, post-Super Bowl 50. So in each season post-Super Bowl 50, you split with the Raiders. You can do that again this year. You can beat the Chargers in their house, which I think you can. If you can win the one of these two games, if you can either win the New Orleans game at home or the Buffalo game at home, mm-hmm. you're probably you're still going to lose to the Chiefs and Arrowhead by all you know all likelihood. But I still think there's a really a, a better chance than the odds makers can can see right now that this team could could get in with that, especially with the the NFL opening up an additional a seventh right. playoff spot in the wild card for each conference. It's okay though, guys. Let them hate. Let them give them ten percent chance. Let me give seven percent chance. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but they're two games out right now behind Cleveland for that seventh wild card spot. A lot of season left to go. They beat the Falcons, which they should do. They have a little nice winning streak. They go to five hundred, and anything can happen. I bring this example up a lot, Chad. I'm not saying it's going to play out this way, but the 07 Giants. At this point of the year, they're probably given a 5% chance of ever doing anything that season, and we all know what happened. Let things play out. What happens Sunday should dictate whether the Broncos for the rest of the season can be legit contenders. Um, I don't know who that was that's asked who's going to have the better game on uh, Sunday, Melvin Gordon or Philip Lindsay. But Lindsay, I'm, I'm, I'm putting my money on Philip Lindsay. This is a cat that has some serious momentum. I mean, the last three games he has – and keep in mind, in – what was it? The Kansas city game. He missed two quarters basically, but he's still, he's been averaging nearly seven yards per carry since he returned from that turf toe. So I'm putting my money on Phillip, of course. And I'll take that one better. I think I will guarantee and hold me to this guys on the pod on Sunday afternoon, Philip Lindsay will score a touchdown on a long receiving play. That's what's going to happen. He's going to have a hundred plus all purpose yards and at least one touchdown Sunday. Mark my words. Based Gase jumping in. <laughs> Still, every time I see that profile pic of those crazy eyes of Adam Gaze, I, I giggle. Uh, appreciate you, my friend. You. He says, uh, a fan of Lindsey, but I'm concerned about his durability. Huge college workload at Colorado and two seasons in the league plus injuries. Pay him, draft a running back in 2021, and cut Gordon. Um, look, I think that's a, the whole durability issue. While I think it's a fair concern considering his size, all right, this is the first year that it's really eaten into his momentum. I mean, think about it. As a rookie, he takes the NFL by storm, Pro Bowl season, and then that wrist injury in the second-to-last game, and he only misses one game. He misses one game as a rookie. It's the season finale. Year two, plays the whole season, no problem. This year opens up with the turf toe, and turf toes can be nagging, Zach, and then the concussion, which, you know, concussions can happen to anybody and they're not yeah. you know, typically, you know, knock on wood, but they're not the type of injury that, you know, like an ACL that ends the season. And so I don't, I just think it's too early to be, to get too far out over your skis on durability concerns. Although that's why the Broncos, I don't, I don't begrudge the Broncos 
for keeping the running back stable, well stocked with dudes that can pound the rock. All right. But going out and paying someone eight, nine million bucks when you have Philip Lindsay, mm. that's where Zach and I dating all the way back to March, where we've scratched our heads. Uh, and you guys all know this. It's just the the discrepancy there. Eight million dollars versus seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So it needs to be a little more comparable in terms of Philip Lindsay. I'm willing to say watching him, he might just always be one of those running backs or those players who gets dinged up every now and then. But look what he did one day after clearing concussion protocol. He had a brain injury, and he changes the entire complexion of a massive Broncos upset and victory for them. He's just a special player. He might get nicked up every now and then, but which player doesn't? It's the NFL. He's not injury prone. And let me tell you guys something. You want to count him out, that's fine. But every single Sunday, you're going to have to cut his legs off for him not to play. He will show up and he will ball out because that's who Philip Lindsay is. Stony Neff, yes, you're correct. The last time Locke played in a dome was the Houston game. Yes, because let's see, uh, week 15 in the snow uh, against at Arrowhead, uh, week 16 at home against Detroit, week 17 at home against the Raiders, week one at home against Tennessee, week two on the road against the Steelers, and then on the road, Patriots home against the Chiefs. Yeah, this will be the second Dome game, which portends well for Drew Lockzak. It really, that's why I made the comparison yesterday and earlier today. It really feels that way. It's a controlled climate. It's a soft defense. It's it's a really, uh, one of those games where all the trends just point to the passing attack and point to Drew Lock. And I'm not going to say they have to throw 60 times, but Pat Shermer would be really remiss if he didn't take a few deep shots at the minimum against this soft Atlanta secondary. You know, I get a lot of comments about the Red Bull. The reason I drink the Red Bull when we go live is, you know, we've chosen for a specific reason to do our live streams from the 6 o'clock local hour to the 7 o'clock local hour. And that's because it's when people are home and that's when people can be with us. Look, as an on-demand podcast, you can listen to us anytime, right? That's no problem. We get that. And we, you know, that's fine. We love that. But where people can participate in the conversation and be engaged and the whole reason we do these live streams it's when people are home. And so we go from six to seven. Well, by the time, you know, listen, I'm 40 years old. All right. I've got a wife. I've got multiple children. I've got, I'm juggling milehighhuddle.com, cranking out content all day long. We all have our little rhythms. By the time I get to six o'clock for my life, I need a little caffeine boost. And I know like for Zach, he's got a little bit healthier, um, probably a little bit healthier mojo in terms of how he keeps his rhythm going in terms of the gym and stuff and all that. But that's what keeps this 40-year-old uh, dad bot rolling <laughs> at 6 p.m. On, uh, on a weekday. Coffee is my savior during the day. And then at night when I work out, I take a pre-workout. But I, I understand what Chad is saying. Everyone has their little pick-me-up. And uh, for him, it's Red Bull. I like Red Bull as well. So hopefully, Chad, if you're listening out there, sponsor us, guys. <laughs> there you go. But for what it's worth, for me, it's always the sugar-free. wasn't always the sugar-free, but I got to do the sugar-free because yeah. I don't like the zingy you know, crash that comes along with the sugar And now with a new great taste. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Here we go. All right. Zach Trahill jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend on Facebook being with us tonight. He says, if AJ Bouye doesn't play Sunday, I'm worried that Matt Ryan will pick on a Sang Bassey all morning. Now let's just take a quick look to what Vic Fangio had to say with regard to AJ. He's of course still in concussion protocol. If here, here's what he said, quote, He won't be on the field for Thursday's practice, but that's part of the protocols. Guys with a concussion cannot hit the field until Friday with the team. Close quote. So, Zach, um, up to this point, there is nothing to lead us to believe 
that AJ is behind schedule on the concussion protocol, but we won't know for sure until tomorrow. So to Zach's point, yeah, I mean, you got to worry a little bit if Bouye's not on the field because, you know, you got uh, Calvin Ridley, you got Julio. I mean, there are some real weapons there for the, for the Falcons in the passing game. They also have Russell Gage, who if anyone plays fantasy out there, he's a sneaky slot receiver who can do some damage as well. And you hate it for Boye because he was knocked out by his own player. Jack Green Jackson knocked him out and may have caused him to miss time. I think there's still a chance he can play because you can clear protocol literally 24 hours like Lindsey did last week. But two DNPs in a row, you at least want him to be on the field for installation and, and prep work. You want him to be out there. Um, we'll see what happens. It's really questionable. It's truly 50-50. So we're getting a question here from Tom about Tim Patrick. As Zach mentioned early in the show, you might have missed this, Tom, but he was Tim Patrick, a limited participant. Uh, let me let me. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Double-check this. He was limited. So they didn't practice on Wednesday because of what's going on with the little outbreak of the word that she'll go and mentioned at Broncos HQ. Even though the league gave him permission to practice, Banjo decided, hey, you know, err on the side of caution. Let's all just do the virtual thing for Wednesday. So if they would have practiced, though, Patrick would have been a limited participant. Then you flash for, uh, fast forward to today on Thursday. He was a limited participant as they returned to the practice field. So it's uh, too early to get too you know excited. But. I'd be surprised, to be honest with you, Zach, if he misses uh, this game. I would. I, I expect Tim Patrick to be back this week. So do I. Two uh, limited is very good. It, it, it trends him in the right direction to play. And like I mentioned earlier, having him on the field, his chemistry with Drew Locke. And you talk about, or I talked about making the comparison to the Texans game. What was the highlight of that game? That long lock 
uh, sideline bomb where he dropped it into the bucket of Tim Patrick. They have just a great connection, and you throw him on the field with what he's doing with K.J. Hamler, what he's doing with Noah Finn and Albert O. This is why I'm saying, Chad, I don't hope for the Broncos to score points on Sunday. I expect them to score points on Sunday. Let's grab this one from Eclipse in the City of Brotherly Love, a bona fide superstar. Much love to you, my friend. And Thank you. In fact, especially with a profile pick like that on YouTube, rocking this very football priest hat like a boss. Shout out to you, my friend. He says, happy Thursday, priests, beast, and Broncos family. Seeing a big game for Deshaun Hamilton this week. Hope you and your families are doing well. Peace and love from Philly. Yeah, you know, Zach, it'll be really interesting. And again, thanks, Troy. It'll be really interesting to see if Deshaun and Drew Locke can build on this juice they they developed in the in the uh, yeah. Chargers game because Deshaun had himself a day. I can pull it up, but I want to say four receptions, 80-something yards, and a couple of them were crucial. Of course, there was the big catch and run for a score, a mm-hmm. uh, 40, 40-plus 40 yard touchdown. But there was also a, a gain for 14, 15 yards. I want to say it was third down, but it might not have been, where Drew Locke threw across his body, rolling out right, throws across his body, hits Deshaun. So, yeah, they've got something – again, this is something that Drew Locke has been – I know you've heard Zach and I kind of get off the the whole Deshaun Hamilton train, so to speak. But Drew, this was something he said, walking off the field on Sunday, he admonished the fans for booing, say, hey, don't boo too early, and then, you know, just joking a little bit. And then as he's walking through the tunnel, he's like, man, our, our receivers balled out today, and he credits Jerry, he credits KJ. And then as he's walking through the locker room doors, as they're closing behind him, he says – and Deshaun Hamilton balled out. You guys are still sleeping on Deshaun Hamilton. So maybe we are, Zach. If his quarterback is saying that, maybe we are. I think, and this is just me reading into it, I think Locke has a little camaraderie with Deshaun because they kind of came up together last year. I know Deshaun had another year on him in the NFL, but I, they kind of blossomed together. They had some sort of kinship on the field. And I appreciate the question. I, I recognize that Deshaun had kind of a breakout game. I just don't see that continuing. I don't, I see it being an outlier. And, you know, he's going to go off every once in a while, but it adds to my previous point that you, now you add Deshaun Hamilton into the mix. You add Tim Patrick and all the other weapons. There is no excuse considering the Falcons defense why they can't score points on Sunday. It's also important to keep in mind that he produced that way and what, you know, as well he should have. Tim Patrick wasn't in the game, right? If Tim Patrick's in the game, a lot of those targets probably end up going Tim's way. Right. Ash, uh, Ash 109, 722 on Super Chat. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate you. New name, Zach. We don't recognize, so welcome and thank welcome. you. Hey, everyone. New to the chat. How are you guys feeling about Drew Locke? Sorry if this has already been covered, but I just tuned in. So the Cliff Notes version, Ash, is that you know we have been guys, if you're new to the show here, we have been guys that have, have been trying to caution – Patience for those who were burying Drew Locke after uh, week seven against the Chiefs. And really after the fourth quarter of the Patriots game, people started burying Drew Locke. And it just intensified with the Chiefs game. And we understand why. But people were were just jumping to conclusions so quickly that they were just breaking their front teeth. Like they were running straight into a wall. It was way too early. And even guys last night, you know, we had to kind of dunk on Colin Cowherd for his ridiculous uh, flip-flop on Drew Locke. We're, we're, ex- I mean, I'll speak for myself, Zach, and then you can answer, of course, yeah. your, uh, in your own way. But I am quietly confident and comfortable with where Drew Locke is with 10 starts under his belt now as a pro. All right. He's six and four as a starter. He's figuring things out. He's fought through two injuries. And my biggest concern with Drew is not does he have it between the ears? You know, can he throw with accuracy? Can he, uh, you know, mind his technique and not regress back to Missouri form and all. That's not really what I worry about. What I worry about is staying on the field. 
And if Drew stays on the field and he gets that time on task with Pat Shermer, the results are going to come because he is a legit talent. Well, first of all, I think he's cool for sure. I think he's a cool (laughs) quarterback. I don't care what you say, Colin. Second of all, I'm not concerned and I'm not saying he's a developed product just yet. I made this point on yesterday's podcast that I'll echo now. We've seen, I think, the worst of Drew Locke, but we haven't seen anything close to the best of Drew Locke. We've seen glimpses. The Texans game last week saw fourth quarter. Those were glimpses, but we haven't seen, I think, a full four quarter in his second season anyway of the best Drew Locke. He's a work in progress. He has a long way to go still. He has to mind the the mental aspects of the game and uh, his technique and footwork and everything, this and that. The coaching as well. That's the only thing that concerns me is, will he be handled correctly? And that was my biggest gripe about Pat Sherman is you're going to hand the keys to this guy. And this guy has been fired twice in the NFL as a head coach. But if you can just call plays to his advantage and not Josh Rosen him, you know, not David Carr him, you you develop him on schedule and let Drew be Drew, he will be a solid starting quarterback in the NFL at a minimum. Long way to go, but we've seen, in my opinion, Chad, through his limited exposure in this league, a lot more good than bad. Yeah, I think his, like, medium ceiling – yeah, I'll say medium ceiling is Derek Carr. All right, serious. That's, like, that's the medium ceiling for Drew Locke. But I do think he has more it factor to him and more raw talent, athletic ability than Derek Carr, that he could exceed that. Like he could go beyond what Derek Carr – and look, Derek Carr gets a lot of flack and hate because, you know, he's not been one of those quarterbacks who, despite his multiple Pro Bowls and stuff like that, he's not been able to consistently elevate the team around him like a bona fide franchise guy does. But I do think Drew Locke has – his, his actual ceiling, like the top, top, tippity-top of his potential, he could be a bona fide franchise quarterback and a perennial Pro Bowl type guy. He's not there yet, though, right? He still needs more time on task and development, and the Broncos are going to give it to him. Sleek Trope, we, uh, I, would, I would just suggest, if you're wondering what our take was on Colin Cowherd, yesterday's go back and check out yesterday's live. Yeah. We spent, I don't know, a quarter of the stream uh, going off on that. Let's grab uh, Kenneth Booker. Everyone knows Kenneth. Bonafide stud. I love how he's got his uh, he's got his YouTube profile pick with Lindsay in his disposable <laughs> jersey. Um, anyway, appreciate you, dog. He says, "Who are your top three hardest hitting Broncos ever?" Um, I would say, hands down, you know, honestly, I'll start. It's a toss up, to be honest with you. Number one between Steve Outwater and Dennis Smith, but I'm going to err toward the Hall of Famer and say Steve Outwater, and not just because he's in the Hall of Fame, but you know, think of the play in Super Bowl 32 where he knocks everybody out, including himself. Think about the hit on Christian Okoye that literally ruined the Cats' career, the Nigerian nightmare. So I'd say Steve Alwater. I'd say Dennis Smith. And then it really becomes kind of a kind of a toss-up between multiple guys that you could throw in there at number three. But I would look at some of the some of the guys at the safety position in just the last decade. I mean, Brian Dawkins, only here a couple of years, but ferocious hitter, John Lynch. I'd probably have to, if I'm honest with you, probably put John Lynch at number three. But even Kareem, man, Kareem's been laying the woods, actually. So, you know, he's at least in the conversation, maybe not top three, but I would I would have to say it's all three safeties. It's, it's Atwater, Smith, Lynch, in that order. I agree, but let me add one name in there, TJ Ward. When he was the enforcer in that secondary for the no-fly zone, he can lay some lumber. So I think he should be in a tie for third, but the first two, Chad, I'm right there in agreement, Atwater and Dennis Smith. All right, where are we at? We're at 56 minutes, so we got to kind of rapid fire through these remaining supers, and then we'll dip on out for tonight. Dale Rude jumping in with a very wow. general super chat. Thank you, Dale. 
Yeah, man, that's phenomenal. And it's not a name that we recognize on Super Chat. So we really appreciate you, Dale. Welcome. Make sure you reach out and connect with us on on Twitter so that we can stay in contact and shout you out after the show and stick around. You know, we're live every night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. He says, found you guys about a month ago. Love the show. Great content for the five uh, touchdowns for the five. I guess he's saying touchdowns. I'm hoping to see from the offense this weekend. Okay, yeah. Hashtag pay Phil. I I got you seven thirty five. Okay. Yeah. Hashtag pay Phil. Hashtag locks swagger. Rad, dude. I love the symbolism and really appreciate the support. Hashtag pay Phil, guys. Hashtag pay Phil. Glad it's catching on. We got Chase Wellner in the hizzy as well. Longtime listener and superstar. Thank you, Chase. Thank you. In hindsight, was Albert Okawebunam? No, I keep saying it that way. Okawebunam, a good draft pick. Better than Greg yeah. Gumble. We didn't love it in the t- at the time. Um, just because of the Noah Fant, the, you still needed to figure out Jake Butt. You still had Troy Fumagalli. But so much changed. Even just take Albert O's performance so far out of the equation just temporarily. We've gotten so much resolution on the tight end position in terms of Jake Butt IR, uh, Andrew Beck IR. Troy Fumagalli didn't even make the 53. Albert O was a big reason for that. But they're bringing Troy Fumagalli back, by the way. Um, and so I got to say, Zach, you know, what what – modest negativity we had for that pick is saying, look, you know, why you got no fan and all these other, he's, he's, you know, we got to eat our, our fair amount of crow on that. Well, I'll eat, you know, nine weeks worth of crow because it's way too soon to evaluate any prospect. He looks promising, Chad. I'm not going to lie. And what I like about Albert Oak, he's already produced more than Jake Butt ever did for all those years and more than Fumagalli ever did. So I don't think he's a bust. Whereas I don't think he's a starter yet caliber talent either. He has to prove himself a little more in his rookie season, uh, mostly as a blocker. Isaiah, eleven twenty seven. <clears throat> Excuse me, jumping in. Appreciate you, my dog. This is another guy, Zach, who's really come on strong the yeah. last month or so, month or two. It's basically since the season started. So appreciate you, Isaiah. Zach's whiteboard challenge. Please share. Hashtag MHH. It's nothing exciting. It's story ideas, mostly for the Cowboys. So that's the uh, that's a big mystery. As Chad will know, it's, it's easier when you get the ideas out of your head. Sometimes you write it down. It becomes more visceral for you. So I like to see it. Just my, for those of you who don't know, one of Zach's jobs in the NFL is covering the Cowboys for heavy.com. So sometimes for people who are new to, to what we do here, they're like, wait a minute, why are Cowboys? What? <laughs> Zach has two hats that he wears as far as being an NFL analyst. And one is, of course, what he does here on Huddle Up and, of course, at MileHighHuddle.com as a, as a senior columnist and then also as a Cowboys beat writer. <clears throat> but, yeah, as far as the whiteboard, I do the exact same thing, only I just use a Google, a Google Doc. You know, yeah. I, keep it, I do mine digital. But uh, for a lot of writers, it's, it's a lot more um, – it can be a lot more instinctive and intuitive to have a whiteboard that you can visualize and, and reflect off of and just boom, and that's, that's Zach's thing. And then he says, much love to what you guys do for Broncos country. So thank you, my friend. Thank you, Isaiah. Thank you. Um, all right, let's see what else we got here. Jake Gerard jumping in, talking about a superstar, longtime listener. Appreciate you. Thank you. He says, what up, guys? Can we give some love to DeMar Dotson? Should we give him a two-year extension just in case Mr. Clean won't play and we go left tackle in the draft? <laughs> Zach, before you answer that, I just want to serve over to you what Coach Shermer had to say about DeMar Dotson today when he was asked. He said, quote, I like DeMar, but I like experienced guys. He's calm and steady. He's been there. He's done that. And without them even mentioning it, I'm sure some of the younger guys can draw some confidence from that. But I like the way he's been playing. He plays hard. He's a tough guy. And he's been helping us here in the last month for sure, close quote. 
Can you pull up the question again? I was busy, you know, fantasizing if that's Juwan James as Mr. Clean. I wasn't <laughs> sure. I was imagining that in my head. Uh, to your extension for DeMar Dotson, that's tough. I, I wouldn't commit to him, I think, past one more year. I think he's a good bridge guy. But regardless of what happens, if Juwan James does come back next year, if Garrett Bowles is re-signed, they have to stock the cupboard. They cannot leave it dry anymore. And in fact, the DeMar Dotson, the whole situation there, should have been a glaring indicator as to that we cannot allow, allow this to happen again. They've rebuilt the interior. Now it's time to re- rebuild the tackles, regardless of what happens uh, with the two guys they have. By the way, Facebook user with a really good question here. In order for, for StreamYard to display your name, you got to give StreamYard permission on Facebook to do that. It's in the... If you're looking at the stream, in the description of the stream, there's a link to click there. So next time we see your name and profile pick. But he wants to know, or she, do you see Melvin Gordon serving a suspension this year? Yes. And when are we going to pay Philip Lindsay? Now, that's the that's the rhetorical question, uh, you know, for the ages as far as Lindsay. But Gordon is going to serve. Th- and it's not a two-game. It used to be two-game mandate. Uh, now it's three-game. That was changed in the new CBA. So, yeah, and I think it will happen in 2020. So hashtag pay Phil. <laughs> it, it's uh, if he gets a three game, he can appeal that. It might be cut down at one game. There's a chance, depending on when the announcement, when they announce it, uh, the games could be rolled over till next year. Chad, it could be a suspension that kicks in in 2021. But yeah, I think the NFL will come down for at least one game that he can't, you know, get out of. Appreciate the kind words and your dedicated listenership, David. He says, "Hey, Chad and Zach, been listening, watching you for years, especially at work. Thank you so much. Thank you. Why no toss sweeps with Philip? Pay the man. I'm from Boulder." Now in Utah, go Broncos. Yeah, I'd like to see more of, look, Philip Lindsay is a guy that despite his size is, a, oh, and here he is on a super chat. Wow, thanks, David. Thank I didn't you, even David. know you did a super, so thanks, my dog. Um, to your point, uh, Philip Lindsay is a guy that, that despite his size is actually a very accomplished, instinctual, tough runner between the tackles. But the Broncos and, and Pat Shermer, you got to start figuring out ways, and you can do it in the run game, as he mentioned, tosses, sweeps. Counters. There was a there was one counter in uh, week eight in which you got uh, Dalton Reisner pulling and opening up a big hole. Philip Lindsay picked up twenty yards. If you guys can remember that late hit out of bounds from Nasir Adderley that helped the Broncos move that in exact play. You need to see more things like that, Zach, where you're using him on the boundary where that speed yes. can really kill. I have been literally screaming at my TV set for every week this season, get the ball in his hands, throw a screen, throw something, throw a toss play, throw, throw something in the flats, get the ball in Philip Lindsay's hands. And I don't know if it's that predetermined notion as to he can't catch, which he can. I don't know what the deal is, but it reminds me of last year when Scangarola would call Freeman plays for Lindsay and Lindsay plays for Freeman. I, they have to get the running backs right. I think they're using, for the most part, Melvin Gordon correctly, but get Philip Lindsay in space. He's not, for the most part, an inside runner. He makes his bones on the edge, on the perimeter. If you get him in that space, he will make things happen. Eclipse says, please, let's not forget Josie Jules' hit on Derrick Henry in week one. And, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, that would, definitely was a big hit, although I'll just say this, Troy. I wouldn't quite put uh, Josie Jewell up there among the all-time greats as far as the Broncos' biggest hitters of all time. But uh, thank you again for for the support, my friend, and hope everything's going okay for you in Philly. Guys, I think that, uh, you know what, just because I had to admonish Liam, let's grab this one from Liam just so he knows we still love him, all right? <laughs> Liam. Tough love. <laughs> sometimes it does take tough love, all right? But the the takeaway is love, all right? Much, much, much love to you. We do appreciate it. He says, 
What do you guys think Royce Freeman's value is if we toss him into a trade? Well, the trade deadline come and gone. So that's that, that yeah. ship has sailed. I think the best case scenario that you could have ever gotten for Royce this year with the water that's been under the bridge on him, maybe a conditional seventh round pick tops and Dion, Dion, uh, Dionisio Ortiz jumping in with a super chat. Thank you. Dionis man. Dionisio Dionisio. That's a cool name, man. I wish I had a cool name like that, but thank you for the support my dog. But yeah, Royce Freeman, not much, not much value. This is pretty funny. 500 bucks to get from 500 bucks <laughs> and a used t-shirt. No, but when you have players like Everson Griffin, he drew a 2021 conditional six round pick. I mean, this was a very lukewarm trade market and a player like Royce Freeman. I don't think he's the worst player, but he's a Jag. He's the Jag to end all Jags. There's 10, 15 other running backs on the open market like him right now. So, uh, negligible trade value. And that's why he didn't get traded. All right. Before we dip on out of here, Make sure we want to remind you guys tomorrow we drop the Mile High Roundtable at milehighhuddle.com, the written article where we go around all the staffers at Mile High Huddle, tender a prediction and a pick for week nine, Broncos Falcons with a score prediction. Zach, do you have anything kind of zeroed in on that yet, or do you want to wait today to for the for the actual written article? Well, I kind of gave it away yesterday that I think we, I think we saw a score prediction that said 28, 20 Broncos. And I think I, I think I said, I expect the Broncos to either meet or exceed that total, but I think the Falcons won't meet that total. So I'm going to leave you guys a little more suspense. The only thing I'm going to say right now is the Broncos should win this game going away. This should be a resounding Broncos victory. And I think we'll see that. I'll give you mine. All right. I'm going to pick the Denver Broncos to win this game. 27, 17. That's my pick. 27, 17. I think, but think about this. Okay. 27 points for a, for an offense that had totaled three through two and a half quarters of play last week might seem like a leap, right? might seem like, you know, Hey, you know, pump the brakes, but I think the Broncos Zach's onto something, the dome game, the momentum of the fourth quarter. I think you're going to see an offense that gets out to an early start, puts it on Atlanta and allows that predatory defense to be predatory. And, you know, we talked about it on yesterday's show, a few keys to victory. And one of them is you got to start forcing some turnovers and getting out to an early lead. That's what allows the great defenses like the Chiefs who, look, if you look at them on paper as far as talent on defense, outside of Chris Jones and uh, Frank Clark, and there's a few other guys on that defense that are really good players, it's not a elite unit, but what allows them to produce statistics and stuff that are on that scale is the fact that their offense is giving them two and three score leads by the time they hit the locker room. So for halftime, so get out to an early lead Zach. And I think this, this defense can start getting more of those turnovers. Chad, you made me seem a little bit like a, like an a-hole there giving your prediction, not giving mine. So I'm going to, oh, uh, I'm going to give mine. I'll, I'll, I'll treat you guys. I'm going to say Broncos 29 Falcons 16. I really do think they will keep this Falcons offense in check. Stop Todd Gurley, him being, you know, 85 years old. He has nothing left in the tank. You get after Matt Ryan. I hope A.J. Boye plays in this game. That'd be a big boon to guard Julio Jones with. But the Broncos offense should score, not only score, Chad, but give the defense a lead to work with. Let the defense work with the lead after backs, not from a deficit. And I think the Broncos will start fast, put some points on the board, and win this game going away. It might be 29-16, but the – it won't be as close as it appears when you actually watch the game. 
Hey guys, before you dip on out of here, just a gentle reminder, like this video before you dip on out. It really helps us out a ton. Those of you that are with us live and, you know, thousands of people watch these videos, Zach, after the fact on YouTube and Facebook. So <clears throat> if you're listening to this after the fact, give us a like. It really does go a long way toward helping out. But that's got to do again for tonight's episode of the Huddle Up podcast. Thanks to each and every one of you for spending some time with us here tonight and for all the questions and comments and engagement. We love you. Mile high salute to our Super Chat superstars and our Facebook supporters. You guys mean the world to us. Make sure uh, you connect with us, though, on social media. Keep the conversation going there. Keep the conversation going at milehighhuddle.com. First and foremost, follow the podcast on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. And then while you're at it, while you're following accounts on Twitter, follow at milehighhuddle. And then also follow um, my partner here, Zach Kelburn. Oh, wait, quick, quick aside on that. Go ahead and throw him on. Black Knight jumping in. 11th hour. Good to see you, my friend. Appreciate the super. Okay. My man, he says, the gaming team, my gaming team, excuse me, he's a big gamer and he, he does these squads and stuff. They compete. Uh, I'm learning all about this stuff because both my teenage sons are huge gamers and they're cluing me into this stuff. And Black Knight has clued me into a lot of it as well. But he says, my gaming team is like the Broncos. Plays bad in the first half of the season, plays really well in the second half. Very cool, man. <clears throat> well, hopefully, hopefully that means things are going well for him, Zach. Yeah, and uh, hopefully, you know, you can replicate that success as well. So I wish you success if it ties to the Broncos. And you know what? I always say I'd rather win pretty than lose ugly. And I think, Ch- uh, you know, Black Knight, you would agree, and your team would as well. So my congrats on your victory. All right, guys, follow the pod on Twitter, at Mile High Huddle. And then Zach Kelberman, you got to follow Zach on Twitter, at Kelberman NFL. Myself, at Chad and Jensen. And a reminder, our producer, John Cronenberg, at John K., MHH. And then guys, Zach and I are signing off for this week, but there'll be a fresh podcast tomorrow night from the Dove Valley Deep Divers, same time, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. And then the Mile High Insiders on Saturday, Luke and Nick, uh, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern, you know the time. And then Zach and I, fret not, we'll be back in the saddle Sunday for the halftime stream, right? We'll come to you live, give you our initial uh, thoughts and get your thoughts and reactions to the first half of Broncos Falcons. And then the gut reaction immediately following the game. So we can't wait to see and talk with you guys then. <clears throat> but in the meantime, Zach, have a have a great start to your weekend, my friend. You too. And Chad, the next time we see each other on here, the next time we see Broncos country, the Broncos will be winning this game. Fear not, like Chad said, and the Broncos are on their way to being 500 in what was a once-lost season. Chin up. All right, guys. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. Thanks for another great week of podcasting here for the Huddle Up podcast. We love each and every one of you. We'll see you Sunday. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. I'm Su Lin Wong, host of The Prince, a new podcast series from The Economist. It's about China's leader, Xi Jinping. He's the most powerful man in the world. But he remains a mystery. His story is hidden behind a brutal censorship and propaganda machine. After 10 years in charge, it looks like he'll break convention to stay on, perhaps for the rest of his life. I'll tell the real story of China's leader, the lessons he learned from watching his parents lose everything and from rising through the ranks of a vicious regime. Now, he's using those lessons to control over a billion people. He's changed China, he's changed my life, and the decisions he makes affect us all. To understand what's next, you need to know where he came from.
Listen to The Prince from The Economist wherever you get your podcasts. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 